Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Seth Tandit. He's a business development executive at Baker Concrete Construction. So, Seth, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. This should be uh, fun. Absolutely. Now, I usually like to do research before we do these things. And I noticed on your profile that you have MBA dropout on your profile. So tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that was, uh, I guess, over a decade ago. I was coming up in my career and, uh, you know, had ambitions to do uh, more. And, I felt that uh, MBA was uh, another thing that I could have put on my resume and hopefully make some doors open, specifically with the company I was with at the time. So I, uh, you know, did all that stuff that you have to do to get into an MBA program. I, uh, I'm i in Richmond, Virginia, so I was accepted at U- University of Richmond, which is, uh, I would say, uh, one of the top schools. I guess I'm probably bias, but in the mid-Atlantic area, Northeast region. And uh, so I was super pumped to join the program and uh, went in and it was, it was great. It, uh, it definitely opened my eyes to industries outside of construction. I'm in construction. So I got exposed to all kinds of different folks that are in different industries, pharmaceutical, finance, Trying to think of what else, but yeah, I got exposed to those folks and those folks do a lot of work internationally and the MBA program went in there, was very successful. The first year we did a uh, opening at the beginning of the program, we do an opening weekend where we do a case study and then we uh, actually give a recommendation to a company on making an acquisition or not making an acquisition and our, our group won that competition so we got to go eat dinner with uh, all the execs of this c- company. It's a fairly well-known company here in the area. So yeah, it was. We came out out of the gates pretty fast and uh, took a bunch of the. You know, when you these two-year MBA programs, typically they put you through the, you know, the foundation of of your learning there for the two-year program. So you take like, you know, finance and statistics and things of that nature and business ethics and things of like that. I took all those classes and the one class that stood out to me, it was finance. And we were talking about return on investment. And uh, so (laughs) taking that class and going through the first year and seeing what the second year had in store for me, I guess I quickly did my return on investment calculation and decided that doing another year wasn't going to result in the return that I needed or thought it was going to provide me. So I I learned a lot in that first year and I didn't feel like the second year would uh, do me any good, but uh, yeah, that's why it says MBA dropout. So I did one half an MBA. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. Now, I mean, looking at your experiences over the years, I mean, what activity experience for you had the highest rate of return? 
Oh, that's a good question. So I started my career in the concrete industry. I did that for eight years to start my career. Yeah, probably, let's see, actually 10 years. Yeah, 10, 11 years of my career. I decided um, based on my the, the amount of time I was traveling, I was traveling a lot through the Mid-Atlantic doing projects up and down the Mid-Atlantic here. And uh, I wanted something closer to home. So I actually jumped out of concrete construction and went to a, uh, a third-party logistics company and uh, ran that for five years. And that was, I went into that job, had no clue what a 3PL was or anything like that. I had no clue what I was getting involved with. It sounded exciting. I like learning new things and I learned a ton. I learned probably 20 years worth of stuff in five years. I learned uh, the importance of uh, customer service. We were working with uh, folks all around the world. So I got even more exposure internationally. We were working with folks in uh, China. Of course, we did a lot of importing for customers, worked with just countries that stand out to me, Turkey, England. Yeah, so that was definitely a a learning experience. We worked with uh, big companies, Amazon, Walmart, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond when they were big. I guess they're not big anymore. Yeah. They they went bankrupt. QVC, all those type of folks. Just going from a construction side of things, and this looks like on your profile, it's a startup and you learned a ton of things. How did you get yourself into the position? Because those those seemingly are quite different roles. You go from a very, I don't know, a lack of a better word, narrow scoped PM role to a ever-reaching director of operations role. How did you find that opportunity and, and what were the key learnings? I had a relationship with the owner. <laughs> it was a, a friend of mine. It's his company. We talked for a couple of years about me moving over to his operation. I think uh, the appeal there was I had experience in in project management and operations management. So that lends to running a warehouse. You're still managing people. You're still managing projects. It's just different. And it's all in one spot, which was a, that's what the draw to me was. I, I wasn't driving five hours one way to a project. I was driving 40 minutes from my house to the same spot. I didn't appreciate the uh, the number of hours that I would be working as well. I ended up working more hours, was away from home even more than I was when I was traveling just because of the demands of, of our, our, our clients. And thanks to Amazon and their culture changing, the, the big culture change during that time was the prime shipping. So your two-day shipping. So that changed shipping for everyone and 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 the expectations of the customers for everyone. So we worked long days. <laughs> yeah. So you're back in construction and um, how, what are the things that uh, you do right now? Yeah. So I uh, so I, I did a 3PL gig for for five years and I've been back in, in concrete for the last six, seven years now. So now I handle uh, business development in the, uh, what we call the Southern Virginia region for Baker Concrete. Baker Concrete's the largest concrete contractor in the country. And uh, I really enjoy my role now. It still has aspects of being entrepreneurial, you know, reaching out to clients, discovering new business, 
and uh, being kind of the spear, the tip of the spear for the company as far as in this region, as far as finding new work, being the face of the company with new clients and things like that. So it's, yeah. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And how's the, uh, the podcast you have, why did you start it and how does it, how does it work with the other things you do? Concrete Logic Podcast. I started a little over a year ago. It's uh, the origin of the of the idea of having a podcast. Actually, goes back three or four years, um, but I I kind of put it on the back burner as I was uh, moving on to a a new company, and I wanted to get my feet underneath me. And but uh, anyhow, so I started the podcast. Just the, I guess the the main the main motivation of the podcast was to give a positive voice to the concrete industry. Over the last, you know, even over the last ten years, with the uh, drive for a lower lower carbon footprint for the concrete and the and the building industry altogether, I felt like concrete was getting a a bad uh, look. And there weren't enough positive voices out there about how sustainable concrete is already. I think uh, there was a lack of uh, uh, knowledge about concrete. So that was uh, the reason I started the podcast, just to get, uh, you know, my little corner of the world to understand what concrete is, where concrete comes from, how concrete is made, and how complex it is to work with concrete. So it really falls in line because when... uh, I was trying to think of a way to always be in constant contact with my clients. And I tried like a newsletter that I was emailing out. I wasn't very consistent with it. And it was, I was having a hard time coming up with, you know, good information. I found that clients don't like to hear about other projects that you're doing for their competitors. So that's what I was sending out at first. I was like, Hey, look, we got a job. We're doing this job. And, and, uh, and some of the, you know, a couple of folks reach out to me like, I really don't want to hear about what my competitor's doing. I was like, oh, I understand that. So with that failure and and having the, this idea of the podcast, it just kind of, it was easy for me. I, I did the first one. I like sitting down and having conversations with people. I was having these conversations. I found I was having these conversations anyways on the phone with uh, these consultants and specialists and I was like, well, why don't I just ask if I can record these things? Why not just, you know, so I can share what what I'm learning from these people as well. Because every time I talk to somebody, I learn something. Every day I'm learning something when I talk to, you know, it be it a supplier, a vendor, or, or a client, or a developer, always learning new things. So just, I guess, my way of sharing, but also it kind of falls in line with my, with my job because uh, it gives me an excuse to, to uh, stay in contact with my, with the clients. Cause I, I emailed all of our clients every time I release a podcast. So if everything's going well, they hear from me once a week. So there you go. What are the things you said concrete is more sustainable as, uh, than, and then people think, and there's things, what do you sort of talk about in terms of sort of you know, the, the myths and how do you clear those up? What are the key facts you put out there to help clear that up? So I guess first to explain what concrete is concrete. Uh, I think folks get concrete and cement mixed up. Uh, so cement is actually the binder that's within concrete. So cement, water, aggregate, sand, and uh, that, that makes up concrete. So 
first of all, I clarify, I make sure everyone understands that. And the reason I say that is because cement is, I guess, for lack of better words, the bad guy out of the group. And it's because of the, when they manufacture cement, it is the carbon producer of all those things. It's the, it's the one that uh, stands out. And uh, it's, it's because when they produce cement, they have to use a lot of, a lot of heat. They basically melt it. They melt stone and other minerals together to uh, create cement. It's like they create their own lava is what it looks like when they're, they're doing it. So that produces a lot of heat, a lot of, you know, that's where the carbon comes from. So clarifying that and how that's all made, but the, the, the things that I say to, to, I guess, promote concrete and why it's so sustainable is that it's locally produced. So most of the materials that make concrete are locally sourced. A lot of the building materials out there, you, you can't say that about it. it's manufactured somewhere. It could be manufactured overseas or across the world, and then it's shipped over and then it's used to build. So that's one good aspect of, of concrete. It's locally sourced. The other thing is concrete is just a, a very strong material. Once it's in place, it lasts a very long time, as we know. I mean, I'm right now through even the mainstream media news, folks are hearing a lot about Roman concrete. Everybody goes back to Roman concrete because that concrete's been around for thousands of years. So yeah, when concrete is is used right, it can last a very long time. So to me, that's very sustainable as well. You don't need to tear it down every 10 years and replace it. This stuff lasts 50, 60, 70 years or thousands of years. So to me, if you're not ripping something down and replacing it, that's sustainable. It's in place. Yeah. And then there's other, you know, smaller aspects of concrete. It's uh, naturally when it's concrete is made and, and, and it's used for buildings and stuff, it's already reflective. So a lot of the, uh, you know, lighting can be reduced in concrete buildings because the light is, you know, re reflected against the, its lighter color. It's also, if you look around, you see all the asphalt parking lots out there. Those are heat sources in our cities and stuff. Versus if it was a concrete pavement, it would refl reflect sun. So it would naturally make things cooler in that area. If uh, you build a building out of concrete, it, the thermal aspects of it are, are a lot better than other building materials. So when you use concrete for the envelope of a building, you use uh, less energy for like your HVAC and, and things like that to heat or cool the building. So the, those are some of the aspects of concrete that uh, make it sustainable. Sure. So what are the business or innovation opportunities in and around the concrete industry? Well, there's there's a lot because, uh, as you know, Tats, the construction industry is very slow to adapt to changes. So there's a lot of lot of ways that we can uh, improve what we do. So, I mean, if you want to talk about what's what uh, most people are looking at around in the industry, you could look at uh, 3D. 3D printing. There's 3D printing, and I would probably ask anyone and uh, that knows anything or is related to concrete in any way that uh, when you ask that question, that's probably the first thing they say. I'm not a big uh, fan of 3D 3D printing and the fashion it's used right now. I think uh, 3D printing. I th I think where it could really help out the concrete industry 
is uh, in form work. I think uh, form work is a big, uh, and uh, probably concrete contractors know this. They, I know they know this, but form work. So basically we put up these forms and then pour concrete in the middle, and then we strip the forms off after we're done. What I think would be cool with 3D printing would be if you printed the form work and it stayed in place and you still filled filled those areas in concrete. And some of the 3D printer guys that are out there are doing something very similar to that. Some of them tell you that that's what they're doing. So they'll, they'll show you that they're printing this normal, it's a residential home. They're printing these homes with the concrete, with the, the big machine and everything. And they're saying, look, we 3D printed this home. And But they, what they're not telling you is some of these systems, these 3D printing systems require you to actually pour traditional concrete in between those 3D printed walls. So some of those guys are doing that already. They just don't realize, I don't know if they realize that's what they're doing, but I really see an opportunity there. I actually saw some article yesterday. I think it was a building in New York really cool looking building. I didn't even know we did these things anymore, but it was kind of like really artistically shaped. It looked like a cave and stuff. And they were talking about how they actually use shotcrete. If you know what shotcrete is, it's basically you're spraying concrete against the wire mesh or rebar and the concrete sticks to to it. You're getting rid of the formwork and it's, it's very flexible in what you can do with shotcrete. But when I looked at that building, I was like, that would have been a cool building that they could have 3D printed the formwork and still did these shapes. Cause some of these walls were actually, they kind of cantilevered out away. So they started at, you know, at one face and then they cantilevered away from the, um, the lower level. And uh, to me, that kind of looked like a, a something that maybe in the future they can 3D print a stay in place form. And then you just fill concrete as you go up the building. That's one thing. There's a lot of, Attempts to automate aspects of concrete. We use these big machines called laser screeds. There's a company out there that's trying to get folks to use their machine that actually you can move throughout the building as you go up the building and and it takes the place of concrete finishers. Concrete finishers are hard to come by these days. So there's things like that, machines like that. There's a lot of uh, changes in our in our cement. We're going through a change right now where there's different amounts of limestone in the cement now. So we're all adapting to this new cement. In tow of that, there is a big renaissance of admixtures, I would call it. So there's a lot of chemical stuff out there that people are trying to use to offset this new limestone cement, which is, it doesn't cure as so far what we know. We're all learning something, but it's been uh, the last year, really. We're finding it doesn't really have the same curing characteristics of the cement that we were using for a couple decades before that. So there's a lot of ad, new admixtures that are out there, new technologies in that. Those are some of the things that are out there. Great to hear. Is there anything that I haven't asked you, but you wanted to share? No, I think you covered everything that we were going to talk about. Yeah. If uh, folks want to learn more about concrete, just uh, check out concretelogicpodcast.com. And uh, go there. There's probably people out there that do it. I don't know many people in our industry, in the building industry, but I ask my audience what what they want as far as a guest and 
and subjects on there. So I encourage people to go to the website. There's a little fill in page or uh, ask a question page and to go in there and uh, yeah, anything, any subject. I, I just had someone message me yesterday asking to uh, do, they had an idea for a podcast. So I'm all about that. So if there's anybody that's listening that likes concrete, check us out. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>